Good morning, church. It is so good to see you today. I've been gone a few weeks, and uh, it's good to be back with you, to be back uh, home, as it were, uh, in this place that I I dearly love, with people that I dearly love. Excited to uh, dig into the Word together in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Before we do that, though, I want to first release our children who are fourth grade and under to head upstairs for our kids' crew worship time. They're going to meet our leaders here at the front, and they're going to make their way upstairs for a time of worship that is designed specifically for them. Throughout the summer, over the next eight weeks, we will be in a unified study together so that all of the things that we are doing are going to align, are going to sort of overlap and align, and that includes even what our children will be learning this morning. They're going to be studying uh, about a characteristic of, uh, of God's work in our life and, and, and God's power and how God gives us armor and protects us. And that's related to our study this morning. If you were here in Sunday school in the previous hour, then you studied through this as well. And, and all summer long, there, uh, there will be this, this overlap. We're doing a, a series that we're calling The Armor of God. And we've designed this so that all of our studies and everything that we're doing from groups to children, to youth, to uh, the Sunday morning sermons, uh, even a weekly podcast that we will release later this week. Stay tuned, by the way, to our social media streams. You'll see more about that when it, when it is uh, available. But all of this is designed to get us on the same page. See, much of the time, we have separate Sunday school material and Bible, school material, or Bible study material and uh, what I'm preaching, and, and it's all, of course, rooted to the Word of God, and, and certainly there is unity in the, in the Word of God and what it's teaching us and how it's pointing us to know Christ and to live in light of His salvation, but specifically this summer, we're going to zero in together in this particular text. We're going to camp out over the next eight weeks in Ephesians chapter 6 as we study together the armor of God and, and what it means for us to put on the armor of God and, and, and stand firm in the armor of God even as we will study together this morning. So I invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Now Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus is one of my favorites and in fact the story of the Ephesians, is woven in and out of the fabric of the New Testament in various ways. If you look in the book of Acts, you will first encounter this church at Ephesus. And there, Paul establishes and plants a church, and and he makes disciples and and wins believers, and, and the church begins to grow. And what we read in the book of Acts is that in a matter of time, all of Asia heard the gospel through the church in Ephesus. It was, it was in very many ways one of, the, one of the, the most prominent, one of the most significant, important churches in this day, in this time. What is more, we keep reading and we, and we read more, right? Of course, there's an entire book here devoted to the Ephesians. The, the, that Paul has written this letter to them. But even beyond that, we understand that as Paul wrote his letters to Timothy and what we refer to as First and Second Timothy, those pastoral letters, at the time that Timothy would have received those, he was pastoring the church at Ephesus. And then you can even look at the letters of John, First, Second, and Third John. And by the time John is writing those letters, we understand that John was living in and a part of the fellowship of the church 
at Ephesus. Fast forward even more to the book of Revelation. In, in Revelation, we see the seven letters to the seven churches. And what is one of those letters addressed to? It's addressed to the church at Ephesus. And so Ephesus is a prominent church in the, in, in the entire fabric, if you will, of the New Testament. But I would contend to you that of all that we know of the church at Ephesus and all the, all the instruction given and the, and the story of the, the church in, in Ephesus, perhaps no particular teaching, no particular part of their story is more important for us than these verses. Because there are, there are a lot of wonderful, fantastic teachings in the book of Ephesus. But I think that what Paul is teaching here in Ephesians chapter 6 has practical implications for how you and I live daily. Let me say that again. I think what Paul is teaching the church in Ephesus through what he's written here and what we understand to be Ephesians chapter 6 has daily practical application for our lives. When we understand what it means to put on the armor of God and to stand firm in the armor of God. That's something that we're to do regularly, daily, as we, as we gear up. You see, we're all engaged in spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. And even this morning's sermon is really going to deal with that idea, that this topic of spiritual warfare and how is it that we're to stand against the spiritual warfare that we face. Well, we do that in the power that God has provided through the finished work of Christ, which makes available to us his strength by the work of his spirit. And, and we're going to see all of that come together in our study this morning in Ephesians chapter 6. Particularly, this morning we're going to highlight verses 10 through 13. But I want to, I want to begin this series by reading together the entire context of what Paul is writing here. So we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20 together, but we're really going to focus on verses 10, 11, 12, 13. That's really the, 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 the core of our study this morning. Read this with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so as Paul is writing here and really in, in concluding this letter to the church at Ephesus, he, he gives them this very important instruction that they are to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He's talking, of course, about a battle that the church in Ephesus 
was facing, but it's really a battle that every one of us is facing as a believer, as a Christian, a follower of Christ. We are daily engaged in matters of spiritual warfare. Now, hear me, when I talk about spiritual warfare, I'm not, I'm not talking about something that is so uh, mystical or esoteric that you might think, ah, how could we ever really know? I, I do believe, clearly, this text even teaches us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. And I do believe that there are spiritual forces at work all around us. But hear me when I say this. I'm not meaning to say that everything that happens, that you and I ought to point at it and say, oh, the devil did that. The devil did that. You remember in the 90s, if you watched Saturday Night Live in the 90s, Dana, character, Dana Carvey rather had this character, this classic character that was the church lady. You remember the, the church lady? And she had that line, she, he, whatever, right? Had that line and would, would say, I don't know, it was maybe mm, Satan. You remember that part? It was, it was a hilarious bit that he did with this particular character. But part of the bit was the idea that the church lady saw Satan behind everything. Everything was Satan's right? Well, I'm here to tell you that we have a very real enemy, a very present enemy who's at work, but let's not give him power that is undue him. The Bible doesn't teach us anywhere that Satan is omnipotent or omnipresent the way that Christ is. He is a created being uh, like all the other angelic forces, and yes, he is powerful, and yes, he is real, and yes, he is at work in this present day and age, but here's the good news ultimately that we'll see is that the power of Christ in us is greater than anything that the enemy has uh, that, that he might bring our way and greater is he even as the New Testament teaches us greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world we can overcome through the power of Christ and we can stand firm in the strength of the Lord by putting on the armor that he supplies and that is the heartbeat of this text. It's going to be the heartbeat of what we study together over the course of the next eight weeks as we dig into this. So he begins, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And that is our goal, to be able to stand in the strength of his might. And so this morning I want us to see this core idea God gives strength to those who will humble themselves before him. In fact, I think that, as much as anything, is, is, that is the key teaching of this passage that we're studying this morning in verses 10 through 13, is that God gives strength to those who will humble themselves before him, who will live in that strength, who will put on, as it were, that strength. You might say this, as we, as we dig into this, we're going to see that my strength is limited. Your strength is limited. But praise God, his power is limitless. There's nothing that can stand against the power of our God. There's nothing that can stand against those of us who are saved and redeemed in Christ. And so we can stand firm against the power of the enemy. And so I want us to see how this strength works in our lives. You notice on the back of your sermon uh, where, where the sermon notes are printed in the back of your worship guide, that there are three particular ways that we're going to see this morning that we, that, we, that we are strengthened by God as we, as we dig into this. The first is this. God strengthens those who surrender to his control. He strengthens those 
who surrender to his control. Be strong. How? This is important. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It is so important that you understand. This text is not telling you to be strong in your own power, in your own doing, in the things that you might do, in power that you have. The point is not that you would be more righteous, that you would have more peace, that you would tell more truth, that you would be more ready, but rather that we would look to Jesus, who perfectly embodies all of these things, and that we would be surrounded by the armor, which is the strength of his might. You see, Paul teaches this same church in Ephesians chapter 1 that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is made available to us when we trust in Christ. In fact, go to Ephesians chapter 1 and look at verse 19. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. In the Greek language, it's it's, it's actually the same language that's used. It doesn't quite translate the way that that the English translates this, but this, this uh, language of strong in the Lord, the strength of his might, it's, it's actually in, in the original language. This is the, the same wording that is used. Verse 19, chapter 1, verse 19. It speaks of the immeasurable greatness of his power toward uh, us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly In other words, that same power, the same power that was at work in Christ as God raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places is the power that is made available to us as we stand in the might of the Lord. That we might be strengthened, not in our own doing, not in our own being, not by trying harder, not by working more, not by being better, but by being surrendered to the work of Christ surrendered to him of course this comes through trusting christ by faith this comes through knowing him by faith you cannot be surrendered to the control of christ unless you have surrendered your life to him by faith unless you have trusted jesus for the forgiveness of your sin unless you have surrendered control confessed him as lord and savior of your life but then by faith in christ this power comes alive in us through the work of his spirit as we are indwelled by the Spirit, and God's power will strengthen us and enable us to stand as we humble ourselves before Him, as we surrender to His saving work. One author writes about, about it in this way. He says that this, this power is at work in two distinct ways. I think this is really good. This author, by the way, his name is Ian Dugoon. And, and he writes that this power is at work in two distinct ways. He says that it was demonstrated outside of us in the once-for-all work of Christ. But it's also demonstrated inside of us by the ongoing sanctifying work of the Spirit. You see, God strengthens us by accomplishing the work for us that we could never do on our own. God strengthens us. We are strengthened by the fact that Jesus won the victory on our behalf. And You don't have to be stronger and better and more good than what you can be because, frankly, it'll never be good enough. But by God's grace, Jesus did for you what you could never do on your own. But not only that, secondly, through the the indwelling work of his spirit, he empowers us 
to be sanctified. He empowers us to live out the life that he's called us to. So don't you see? Don't you see that from beginning to end, this is all about the work of Christ. This is all about the power of God. This is pointing us to know him and to live in that power. It's not telling us to to try harder or be better, but rather it's saying, humble yourselves and be surrendered. And that's where real power comes from. So God strengthens those who surrender to his control. Secondly, we see in this text that God strengthens those who are surrounded by his armor. He strengthened those who surrender to his control, and he strengthens those who are surrounded by his armor. Again, notice the very particular language here. Put on the whole armor of God. This is the armor of God. And then it tells us that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to to stand. Why? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. In other words, we wrestle against a very real enemy. We are engaged in a very real warfare, real spiritual warfare against a very real spiritual enemy, but we are able to stand and overcome if we would be surrendered to Christ, surrounded by his armor you understand that spiritual warfare must be waged with spiritual weapons look again at the following verses look at look at the 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 weapons if you will of our warfare and the way that they are the, the way that they're described even particularly just what these pieces of our armor if you will are verse 14 tells us that we have the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, shoes that represent the readiness given by the gospel of peace, that we have the shield of faith, that we have the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All of these things are at work in our life. All of these things are, are made available to us through faith in Christ and at work when we would stand in the armor of God and the power that he provides. So we engage in spiritual warfare using the spiritual weapons. You've heard the phrase before. We've all heard this phrase, I suppose. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You've heard that, that, that phrase before. And the idea is pretty simple, right? That you don't want to be outmatched when it comes to, to a battle. You don't want to be outmatched when it comes to, when it comes to some, some type of warfare. Well, spiritually speaking, you don't need to bring a knife to a gunfight. Spiritually speaking, you don't need to try to... To, to face the enemy on your own, in your own strength, in your own power. That's, that's what it would mean, sort of, in, in, uh, to use that metaphor, to, to bring the knife to the gunfight, right? If you just, try to, you just try to be a little bit better, you just try a little harder to find peace, you just try a little harder to have strength and to be righteous, but what you'll notice is that your strength is limited. But praise God, his strength is limitless. If we will stand in the strength that he provides, if we will surround ourselves with the armor, how, how do we do that? Well, that's the point of this study this summer, right? To dig into the particulars. But finally, uh, the, the final point that I have uh, points us to that, I, I suppose, at the most basic level. Each piece of this armor points us to Christ. Each piece of the armor. Look again at the words related to these pieces of armor righteousness 
truth, peace, faith, salvation. All of these things, they point us to the work of Christ, don't they? We are to look to God and his strength, which is made available to us, the once-for-all work of Christ and the ongoing sanctifying work of his spirit. And each piece of this armor, if you will, is intended to point us to Jesus, to lead us to trust all the more deeply in Jesus. And finally, we see in this text this point. God strengthens those who stand firm against the enemy. So we see that God strengthened those who surrendered to his control. That is those who would surrender their life to, to Christ. God strengthens those who would be surrounded by his armor. And ultimately, God strengthens those who stand firm against the enemy. How do we stand firm? Well, again, we stand firm in the power of God, through being surrounded by the armor of God, through having the power of his strength and his might. Look at the number of times in these verses that we've studied this morning that the words stand or stand firm are, are used, right? It says in verse 11 that we are to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then it says again in verse 13 that we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. There it is, three different times that we're instructed to stand, to stand firm, to withstand. And in all of them, each and every one of these instances, it's pointing us to the fact that God will strengthen us. He will literally, he will, he will hold us up. He will, he will support us, I suppose might be a word that we would use, but more than, more than just support us, I, I think strengthen really gets to the heart of the matter. He will strengthen us in his power that we might stand firm against our enemy. And let's talk about the enemy for just a minute. Because as I've mentioned briefly already, we have a very real enemy. You may be well versed in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Where Peter writes to the church that we have an enemy. A very real enemy who Peter describes in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy who's roaming about like a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. The picture there, of course, is one of, of, of Satan, one of the enemy who is out to get us. Jesus makes it plain that the enemy's agenda is simple. Steal, kill, destroy. That's the enemy's that's the enemy's agenda for your life. He doesn't want to just make you, he doesn't want to just make you busy. He doesn't want to just make you bad. He doesn't want to just pile on guilt and shame. Those are all devices that he'll use. But his ultimate end, his primary purpose for your life, Satan, I mean, is he wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to ruin you. But by the power of of Christ made available to us as we trust him in faith. We can withstand the enemy. We can stand against him. 
Satan is no match for the power of Christ. And when we will stand in the power of Christ, when we will trust Christ for salvation, when we will be surrounded by his armor, looking to Jesus, looking to his work for us on the cross, then we have everything we need to experience that spiritual victory. And can I show you one other place in the scripture that points us to this truth? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want you to see this in Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 31. Paul is writing here again very similar truth to a different audience. Nonetheless, a very similar truth. And he, re, he, he writes, rather, what then shall we say to these things? Now, these things, right? That's, that's kind of a loaded. You have to go back and read the rest of this letter to get all of that. But let me just summarize to say that what Paul has been writing about from the beginning is the fact that we fell into sin and that God made a way to redeem us from that sin through Christ. That it was made first available to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, to everyone who would, who would know Christ by faith. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, this is the point. If God is for us, who can be against us? The enemy will try. Satan, no doubt, will try. He's roaming about. He's seeking to to undo us. He's seeking to try to conquer and, and overcome us. But by faith in Jesus, he cannot. By faith in Christ, the enemy will not prevail. See, we, we have a very real enemy. And it's important that we understand that. But there's another point that it's important that you would understand as well. And that is the enemy has been defeated by the power of Christ. You see, on that day that Jesus gave himself on the cross as the sacrifice and payment for our sins. He paid a price for you and I that we couldn't pay for ourselves. And then on the third day as he was resurrected from the dead, he conquered sin and death. He overcame on our behalf so that we might live in the power of that victory. Because Jesus gave his life as payment for our sin. Because Jesus offered his all that we might be forgiven and set free. You and I, we can stand firm against the enemy. God strengthens those who will stand firm. How do we stand firm? We stand in the power of his might. We stand by clothing ourselves in the armor of God. We stand firm by surrendering to the control of Christ, by surrounding ourselves in the armor of God, and ultimately by standing in that power that he provides against the enemy. It is so important that we recognize that the victory ultimately has been won on our behalf by Jesus. What you and I must do is not try to work a little harder, not to be a little better today than we were yesterday, not to do a little more good, but rather that we would be yielded and surrendered to the power of Christ made available to us as we trust him in faith. 
that we might stand firm against the enemy. In a moment, we're going to move into a time of invitation, a time of response. And in our time of invitation, in our time of response today, we're going to sing this song stronger. And the, strong, the song stronger, it says this, the chorus of that song says, you are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is broken. It speaks there of the power of Christ. It's not that I am stronger. It's not that I can, but Jesus won the battle on our behalf. Now we can live in the strength that he supplies. How? Through being yielded, surrendered to his. So I wonder, is there, has there ever been a moment where you have surrendered your life to Christ? Do you know for certain that you have trusted him by faith? Are you yielded and surrendered to his saving work? To put it quite plainly, rather simply, have you admitted your sin? Have you believed in Christ for the forgiveness of that sin? And have you confessed him as Savior and Lord of your life? If you're here today and you've never taken that step, you've never reached that moment of surrender, then I would encourage you, you would make today the day that you surrender your life to Christ. And even as we're singing this song, even as we're singing about the victory that Jesus won on our behalf, I'm going to be standing here at the front, and I would love nothing more than to lead you through a prayer of faith that you might surrender your life to Christ. If that's you today, I would encourage you as we sing, come. And let me pray with you. Let me counsel you and encourage you to, to surrender your life to Christ today. Maybe you're here, and for too long, you've been laboring under the, the burden that you're just not good enough and you've just got to try a little bit harder. And you've tried, and you've done your best, but at every point, you seem to be coming up short. Can I tell you that the reason you will always come up short is because your power is not enough, and it never will be. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was never for you and I to do this on our own. His plan has always been that we would stand firm in the saving work of Christ, and that we would be sanctified by the indwelling work of his spirit so that the same power that raised Christ from the dead would sanctify us, would strengthen us, that we might stand firm against the enemy so that we can be surrounded by the armor of God. And what we're going to see as we study this in, in greater detail in the next several weeks is that Jesus perfectly personifies every one of these pieces of armor. Jesus perfectly personifies righteousness, truth, salvation, hope, peace, all of it, right? Strength, every bit of it. But the point of, of the armor is to surround us in the work of Christ, to point us to know Christ and to live in the strength that he provides. And if you're here today and, and you've discovered that you've been trying to do all of this on your own, I pray that today you would be willing to surrender, that you would be willing to yield control of your life, be surrounded by the armor of God, be strengthened in his might, that you might stand not in your own power, but in the strength that he provides. And maybe God's speaking to you and stirring your heart in some particular way. I want you to know that as we sing and as we respond in a moment, our altars will be open. And if you want to come and use this just as a place where you might meet with God this morning, I would encourage you to do that. In order that you might say, Lord, I want to be fully yielded, fully surrendered to you. I want to be surrounded by your armor. I want to stand firm in the power of your might that I might stand against the enemy. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful that you made a way for us to have victory. That you died on the cross, that we might be forgiven and set free. That you have sent your Holy Spirit, that we might be, that we might be filled with the Spirit, that we might stand.
stand in the fullness of your power and your strength. And ultimately, we may overcome the schemes of the enemy. So, Lord, would you be working in us? Even now, I pray that you would move in our hearts, that you would be speaking to us, that we might surrender our lives to you, that we might trust you, we might look to you, and that we might stand firm in that power that you provide, Jesus. We are so grateful for the truth of this word. What's more, we're so grateful that all of this is made available to us because of your love for us and your desire to to empower us. The fact that you delight in saving us and, and, and supplying power for us to stand. Lord, truly we are grateful. And now we sing to you and, and, and we respond to you in the hope of all that you have done and that you want to do in us, Jesus. We pray this in your name.